1: G'day guys, welcome back to the Rugby League Guru Podcast. You would have seen on my Instagram story the other day, I put up a Q&A box solely for State of Origin Game 1 questions. We're going to go through about 10 or so of your questions that I've picked out that I think are the most interesting that I think we can get quite a bit of content out of. So we will try and do this for each origin game very very excited about this just to go through specifically your questions um and yeah go through the answers to those and my thoughts on it coming from you guys it's a really good idea for origin that we're all so excited about now this podcast is of course brought to you by jim beam jim beam is the perfect drink of choice for the pregame I know that next Wednesday night before the game I will be getting into a couple of Jim Beams I'll be drinking responsibly of course but I will be my perfect drink of choice for the pregame so next Wednesday night state of origin we all can't wait for it it's going to be unreal and I'm very very happy to have Jim Beam on board for these podcasts Uh, any of you that are mates with me or know me or have even run the country tours with me uh, and enjoyed a couple of nights out there you know that Jim Beam is genuinely my perfect drink of choice so very, very excited to have them on board and very excited that they're here to partner with us uh, for this podcast, which is going to be really exciting, going through all of your questions uh, and just discussing the different points that you guys want to bring up. And I'm really looking forward to getting stuck into them. I had some cracking questions that were sent in. There are some absolute sensational ones in there. So very, very keen to get stuck into those. Let's kick off with our very first question. And this one comes from Oscar O'Reilly. Oscar O'Reilly, he says, Which player is under the most pressure in each team to either deliver or keep their jersey? The Origin Arena is an absolute pressure cooker, as we all know. No, and there is always guys under pressure in every single game. But there are guys that come into sides or guys that are maybe a little bit out of form um, from recent weeks that maybe had a question mark over their spot. I'm sure a lot of people would suggest a guy like James Tonesco. Personally, I don't feel like he's under any pressure whatsoever. He's a proven champion in this arena. And I think that especially leading up to game one, we sort of, a lot of, well, not all of us, a lot of people sleep on the fact of the guys have been there and done it before and it means so much in the origin arena being in form in the NRL is fantastic but proving to coaching staff and to teammates as well that you can go into the cauldron that is state of origin and handy yourself, uh, it, it takes you a long, long way. Now, the guys that I have chosen as my guys that are under pressure in this game, uh, some of them are because if they don't do well, not only will their spot be under pressure, but the media will really hound them. So there is no doubt whatsoever in my mind that for the Queensland Maroons, Reece Walsh is under pressure in this game. It's his debut game. He's replaced Caelan Ponga. If you look back to the series, last year... Kalen Ponga was incredible. I think it was Paddy Carrigan that got the Brad Fittler, uh, sorry, the Wally Lewis medal. Uh, he obviously didn't win the Brad Fitler medal, being a Queenslander, but I think he got the Wally Lewis medal for the player of the series, and I, I think it was a good selection, but I'll tell you what, KP couldn't have missed by much. Now, I understand KP, he's obviously got his HIA issues and all that. We've spoken about it for the last week or so, uh, but I still would have picked him. So, Reece Walsh coming in there with, you know, realistically, Reese Walsh, he's played less than 50 first-grade games. Um, he's been over there at the Warriors. They weren't overly successful. He was always having a red hot crack. He's come back to the Brisbane Broncos and he's put together a really impressive 12 weeks of football. There's been moments in games where he's come up with key errors. There's been moments in games where you could argue he's maybe gone missing a little bit. But for the for the most part, Reese Walsh, has been just on another level so far this year. But we know with Reese Walsh, and I don't know if it's because of the way he left the Broncos to go to the Warriors. I don't know if it's because he left the Warriors to come back. I don't know if it's because he's gotten in trouble a few times off the field. I personally think it's got a little bit to do with just how much of a you know, good-looking and cool sort of character is he is. When people want to go after someone, it quite often is Reese Walsh. And I do feel like he's under a little bit of pressure because if he doesn't do well in this arena, the media will turn straight away to, well, Queensland should have stayed loyal. They should have stayed with KP. This guy, he's new in the arena. I think the other thing about Reese Walsh is, and we'll talk about it very soon, that you see a lot of spine players at Queensland before they earn their starting jersey, they wear that 14 and the coach says, hey, you're going on to play 13 in the middle. You're going to have to stand and deliver You're going to have to defend against the big boys. You're going to have to take tough carries. You're going to have to do all those things to earn your spot in the Maroons jersey. You look through their history over the last ten or fifteen years. Guys like Cooper Cronk, guys like DCE, guys like Kalen Ponga, Michael Morgan, etc., etc. They've all played this role. Reece Walsh just sort of skipped that step. He was in the camp last year, but this is his Origin debut. Um, So very, very exciting. But I, I don't think there's any. I, I don't know if you could disagree that Reece Walsh is under a little bit of pressure simply because of the way that this narrative will write itself. I think quite often Reese Walsh is a scapegoat. I think he quite often was when he was at the New Zealand Warriors. A lot of people got stuck in it. A lot of people genuinely were messaging me saying, he is going to be a bad buy. He is not a good player. And I just could not even fathom where that thought process came from. I think he did become a scapegoat. I think that we're all for guys when they're winning – uh, and we're all we're all fantastic. It's all hunky dory. But when guys are trying to win and they don't get the result, that's when we really come after them. And I think the one thing about Reece Walsh that I have always said and I will always stand by it: Reece Walsh is always trying to win the game of football. He was doing it at the New Zealand Warriors. Didn't all fall his way. Sometimes he went about it in in you know poor ways or whatever. But he's always trying to win, and I love that attitude. He is all chips in all the time, Reece Walsh, and it will win him. More games of football, then it will lose him. And it's the sort of attitude you need to be successful in the Origin arena. He backs himself every day of the week. And I think because of that, we love to cut people down in the media. People love to go after them. I will always back Reese Walsh in, but I do think he is under, uh, he's probably the guy under the most pressure coming into this Origin series for the Queensland Maroons. When I look at the New South Wales Blues. Very similar to Reese Walsh. I think it has to be someone that the media will probably come after and they will absolutely lash. So for me, probably Jerome Luai, uh, the 5'8". Now, Nico Hines, uh, he's sitting on the bench, jersey 14. I really don't know how Freddie's going to get Nico Hines into this side. We'll talk about him very soon. I think we've got another question coming later on him. But for me, Jerome Luai, if New South Wales don't do well here, the, the thing that the media will run with will be, well, why didn't we pick Nico Hines at six? Why did we pick Jerome Luai once again? Just because he's, you know, teammates with Nathan Cleary, et cetera. Et cetera. He's only there because he plays for Penn. Blah, 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 blah. Heard all the arguments before. I do think Jerome Luwai is under pressure, uh, and I do think he will be the guy that we, that, well, not we, that a lot of the media, and, you know, I think that will brainwash a lot of people to point the finger straight at him. I think you got to remember, and I've said it for a long time with Jerome Luwai, he might not be your favourite bloke in the world. He might not carry himself in the absolute best way possible every single time, but Jerome Luwai is who he is. Uh, he never lies to you about who he is. He's passionate. He's, he's a little bit cocky. He comes comes. comes after you, but he always backs it up. And I think that's the reality of Jerome Luai. You know, he's been to three grand finals in a row. He's won two premierships in a row. The grand final that he lost, he you know, they put a microphone in his face after. I've said this time and time again and said, how does that feel? And he said, this fucking sucks. I hate this feeling. But I'll tell you right now, we're going to bottle this up and we're going to come back. Um, He's won the last two grand finals since making that comment. He's also taking Samoa all the way to a World Cup grand final, which I know people sort of want to go, oh, it's World Cup. Who? cares but I mean that was simply amazing what he managed to do and for a long time you've had your Tonga your Samoas these sort of sides that they are stacked from 1 to 13 apart from 7, 6 and 9 and I think what Jerome Luai has done he's really starting to change the tide and I think he's going to lay a path for guys like Isaiah Katoa and these sort of guys uh, to come through and really lead sides like Tonga and Samoa who in the past have had gun sides but they've had centres and wingers playing 7 and 6 or hookers playing 7 or whatever it might be So, Jerome Lawyer, I know you might not like him. As I said, you don't have to like him. But you've got to respect what he's done. And I do think that he, quite often like Rhys Walsh, is a bit of a scapegoat. I think he can play. There's no doubt in that. You look back 2015, he came into under-20s. Penrith won the comp. He then moved to New South Wales Cup. Uh, Penrith won the comp in 2017. He then moved to first grade. They've gone to three grand finals in a row, including two... Premierships back to back, uh, the first team since the Roosters, and before that, the Brisbane Broncos of the early 90s. So, pretty incredible stuff. And I know that, um, you know, some people give him credit, but I think a lot of people don't give him enough credit for the role that he's played. It's funny when you're a halfback or a 5'8, depending on what the narrative is. If people like you, they fully credit premierships to you. But if they don't like you, they tend to take it away from you and excuse reasons why you shouldn't get credit for it, which I I just find bizarre. And I don't think Jerome Lloyd gets enough credit for what he's done. The Penrith left edge, it has been one of the strongest edges in rugby league for the last three or four years. You know, it's constantly changed between Tick Kick-Out, Matty Burton, Isaac Tungo, Taylor May, all these guys. I mean... Who's been the one guy that's been there the entire time and controlling it? It's been Jerome Luai, So you have to give credit to him. In my opinion, he doesn't get enough off it. I think he is under pressure in this game uh, because people will straight away say, we should have just gone with Hines. I think it will also be interesting, we'll talk about it soon, how Apicurusel goes. Because uh, if he can't go the full 80, people will say, well, hold on. Why didn't we have two hookers? We didn't have two hookers because you wanted to favor the Penrith combination, but you also wanted to have Hines in the side. And I think a lot of that will fall on the head of Jerome Luay as well if this doesn't go well. So very, very interesting times. I think Jerome Law is the most under pressure. I think Tevita Pangai Jr. as well, realistically. Uh, The vast majority of people I talk to probably don't understand the selection, and I tend to agree with you. I'm I'm more than happy to admit if Freddie can get the absolute best out of TPJ, though, uh, it's an absolute masterstroke. Will he or won't he? We don't quite know yet. So they would be my guys that are most under pressure. A cracking question there from Oscar Riley. Uh, I would also say that probably Brad Fittler's under a bit of pressure as well. And you know what? Billy Slater too. I mean, Slater's made some bold, bold calls here. Obviously, Felice Gafusi was ruled out of this game. But on top of losing him, he's then made the decision to axe other guys that are very experienced. Your Kurt Caples, your Dane Gagas, your Caelan Pongas, these sort of guys. So both the coaches have made some very, very, very... Bold calls. So there's a lot of people under pressure as they should be going into the origin period and going into origin game one. But for me, I might I pick my players that are most under pressure. I would probably go Reese Walsh. And I think I would probably go Jerome LeWi from the New South Wales Blues. A fantastic question there from Oscar Riley. Uh, let's go to our next one, which is from Honor 13. Do you think Reese should have started his Origin debut off the bench like all the greats did? We've sort of already touched on this. And um, look, Cooper Cronk, Daly Cherry Evans, uh, you know, a lot of these guys, Mick Morgan, these sort of guys, they all started their career for the Queensland Maroons in Jersey 14. And we're told, hey, you want to be a Maroon? You do it the hard way. You go in the middle, you make 30 tackles, you, you take a couple of tough carries, you get whacked around, you show us that you can handle the Origin Arena and then you can play your key position. And I love that approach. I absolutely love it. I think it's been very successful at the Queensland Maroons for a very long time. And personally... I think it would have been great for Reese Walsh to go through that. But the reality is that the Queensland Maroons have worked out how to utilise their two hookers, which means that they cover Jersey 14. I wouldn't be changing it for the world, and I don't think in the Origin Arena you can come in with two hookers and a fullback on your bench. So as much as I think it would have been fantastic for Reese Walsh uh, to have that experience of being Jersey 14 and being forced to come on and play through the middle and play lock and get beaten to a pulp, the reality is uh, that they're just not in a position where they can do it. So I completely understand where uh, he is coming from. I think it's a fantastic shout, but I just think, The reality is, how would you make it work? Uh, How could you possibly do it in this side? I don't think you could, and I think that what you'd be giving away in genuine origin games, giving away an extra forward there, uh, I just don't think the the Queensland Maroons can afford to do it. And I don't think the New South Wales Blues could afford to do it either. It's not a Queensland thing. I just don't think you can afford to do it in the origin arena. So, yes, I would love to have seen Reese Walsh make his debut from Jersey 14, come in like Calum Pongan did a couple of years ago, and I'm confident that Reese Walsh, he would have thrown it around with the absolute best of them, uh, but it's not his fault that he's not been able to do that, so you can't hold that against Rhys Walsh. It's just the reality of where the Queensland Maroons are at and where the modern game is at as well. Could you imagine if you lost, and I mean, you look in the Origin Arena, how rough and how how brutal it is, like HIA is going to play a big, big role in this Origin Series. I have no doubt about that whatsoever. If you lose one of your starting front row forwards or just one of your edge forwards, whoever it might be in the early parts of this game, you look to, the, to your bench, you've got a hooker and a fullback and then two other forwards, it makes life very, very difficult. So... Yes, I would have loved to have seen Reese Walsh Ernie Stripes via the 14 jersey but it's just not possible. They, they they just can't afford to do it. They've got too much of a good thing going with Ben Hunt and Harry Grant and if I had the opportunity to pick Ben Hunt and Harry Grant, I guarantee you they would be my 9 and 14 for New South Wales in a fucking heartbeat. Uh, so yeah look, I think it is what it is. It's timing more than anything but I'm pretty confident that Reese Walsh, he's a goer. You might not like the guy but he is a goer. There is no doubt about that whatsoever and he would have thrown his weight around in the middle. He would have Taking tough, tough carries, he would have got belted. Would have got back up and kept going. Um, so yeah, really good question there, and it is a really good observation uh, based on how um, how Queensland have brought guys into this arena over the last couple of years. Our next question. Comes from Trex Evo. He says, will the single hooker hurt New South Wales? This is my biggest fear, to be honest with you. I love Appy. I think he's a tremendous winner. I know he. I think he's a tremendous player, and I know he's an out-and-out out winner. I get that 100%. I've always been a big fan of Appy. Uh, if you've listened to Bloke in a Bar and me for quite some time, you'll know that, you know... Last year, when we were talking about who's going to be the hooker for the Kangaroos, I sort of said, geez, don't rule out Appy. I mean, I I, I think that Appy is in front. I I said before the Origin Series last year, I thought Appy was in front of Cook, but I wouldn't have picked him for an 80-minute guy. They picked Appy and Cook in the Origin Series last year. I thought they used them poorly. I think it was Appy that started. Cook came off the bench. I 100% would have done it the other way. And you look at the way the Penrith Panthers used Appy, bringing him on after 20, 25 minutes, and then he could wreak havoc and just change the tempo of a game. That's the perfect way to use Appy. I I wouldn't be surprised if the New South Wales Blues do start Appy off the bench come game night. There's a lot of rumors around that Jerome Luar and Nico Hines could start at 9, which personally, that shits me to no end. I don't understand why we would play those two non-hookers there. It just I, I, don't, I don't get that. But I understand why Freddie has gone for Nico Hines, and we'll talk about him soon. Another thing that I was going to suggest here is, you know, it would be great if we had a Ruben Cotter, for example, a guy that can play hooker, but then he can come off and then you can use him as a middle forward. The guy that I think would have been perfect if he was available – Cam McInnes. If I could have picked Cam McInnes to start at 9 and bring him off then bring Appy on in about the 25th minute to then play 55 60 minutes straight that includes a spell so he can be at his crafty best and then I can bring Cam McInnes on later for his leg speed and everything. He would have been absolutely perfect in this side. It means that you still could have picked, uh, you still could have picked Nico Hines on the bench and it would have solved the hooker problem in my opinion. At the moment you're either going to play Appy for 80 minutes which I per personally question how he's going to hold up over that period. I have no doubt whatsoever he will get through it, but will he be at his absolute best? Will he be at his craftiest best? Because Appy's a good defender. He's not a sensational great defender that's never going to miss tackles. He's going to miss seven or eight tackles in this game. I'm pretty confident of it. They might not be costly tackles, but he will be missing tackles because he's going to be exhausted. And the Queensland Maroons, when he gets to the Origin Arena... It's not like first grade where you say to guys, oh, get this hooker to make X amount of tackles and they'll get close to it. If Billy Slater says to his forwards, Appy needs to make 50 tackles, he'll make 55. He is going to have to get through a lot of work, and I'm just worried how much it's going to take out of his attacking game, which is why you pick Appy. So that's my big question mark. I know it's wild, and I suggested it the other day. I wouldn't do this, but it honestly wouldn't surprise me If you see, I don't know, a Cam Murray, maybe start at nine for the first 20 minutes. Just get through it defensively and then maybe bring Appy on. That wouldn't surprise me in the slightest. Not what I would do, but I, I can see that logic potentially playing out in Freddie's head. He's not afraid to go rogue, so it wouldn't surprise me. Will the single hooker hurt New South Wales? I think there's a very good chance that it could and it really does worry me. It's probably my biggest worry with this team, to be honest with you. Um, so yeah, very interesting situation. A, a fantastic quest question from Trexavo. And I'm sure it is something that we will talk more about during the week um, and especially in the lead up to it. And I can't wait to see how Freddie does handle this situation. Our next question from Nicholas underscore Steele. Thank you, Nick, for sending in your question. As a Blues supporter... Which Queensland selection do you fear the most? Um, it's an interesting one. Now, I've heard a lot of people straight away say, oh, Hamiso marking Latrell, they're kidding. He's going to run over the top of him. And I understand that argument. And to be honest with you, I had that same argument when Hamiso made his origin debut a couple of years ago. I sort of thought, my God, how is this guy possibly going to handle Tom Travoyevich? He did a sensational job. He was tremendous in that game. So Hamiso... As much as it seems like an odd pick, he does have runs on the board and that was taking on Turbo in 2021 when he was at his absolute peak when I believe there was, one, never a harder time to mark Turbo and, two, there was never a harder time to defend at centre because they were you were constantly on the back foot that year. It was unbelievable. Hamiso stood up that night and he delivered. I think he can do the same to Latrell Mitchell. I think people are underestimating Hamiso's ability to defend based on what he's done in the Origin Arena before. But he's also my biggest fear. Now, the thing that scares me the most, and look, if I pick this tide. I would have gone 100% for Kalen Ponga at fullback, and I would have gone for Dane Gagai uh, at right center. Now, Billy Slater has made the decision to go Reese Walsh and Hamiso. This scares the living hell out of me, because these are two of the fastest players in this competition. And yes, Latrell Mitchell, the brute force he has, is going to be hard for Hamiso to handle. But do not sleep on how much the speed of these two is going to really worry that New South Wales left edge. It's something that I... It, it, it's keeping me awake at night at the moment, to be honest with you. Their entire game plan, and this is where DCE is so important to this side, he will just be trying to get them in the right spots to be able to get Reese Walsh on the outside shoulder of what I assume will be Hudson Young on that edge, a guy that hasn't defended with Latrell, a guy that hasn't defended with Jerome Luai. So there's new combinations there taking on what I think is probably the fastest combination you could possibly pick in our game, let alone for the Queensland Maroons there of Reese Walsh and Hamiso. They're going to be hard to handle. Do not sleep on that combo. Everyone's talking about Latrell running over Hermiso, and he'll never be able to tackle him. There's a good chance that Latrell's going to have a very tough night just keeping up with this guy because they're going to their whole sets are going to be worked towards putting these two in good spots with good ball to get on the outside. It's been the hallmark of Reese Walsh's return to the Brisbane Broncos. It's his pace on those arcing runs where he is just unstoppable, and he's been creating space for the men outside him, left, right, and center. And it's my big. Big question mark is how are we going to defend that? And it could be our undoing. So for me, that is by far and away my biggest fear because I could see us getting absolutely ripped to pieces down that edge simply because we cannot keep up with the pace of these two. And if the Maroons do win the middle and they're on the front foot, Queensland and DCE will have these two in the perfect spot. And it, it could be almost impossible to defend if Queensland get it right. So... For me, Nick, that is my biggest fear by far and away. People are looking at it as the biggest positive for New South Wales that Hamiso's there. I'm telling you, brute force is fantastic, but Latrell, he does not move laterally as well as what I would ideally like for him to be marking a guy like Hamiso and for Reece Walsh to be coming around that corner at pace, getting on that outside shoulder of Jerome Lulai and of Hudson Young. I really do think it's a spot that Queensland will be targeting and they will have entire sets of six completely aimed at just getting Rhys Walsh on the outside shoulder and creating space for him. So it is by far and away my biggest fear. Um, All right. Go to origin, pre-match and choice of alcohol okay really great question that one comes from harry baham um now for me i uh, i have a routine and i've had a routine for years in state of origin and my mates uh they can contest this this has been a thing for about 15 years in my life since i was 15 or 16 to be honest with you always get a pizza you got to order a pizza in for me i always go for the crust peri peri chicken it is always my go-to and as i said i am so happy to have jim beam on as a sponsor of this podcast because they literally have been part of my routine for Origin for the last 15 odd years. I am always having a Jim Beam for the pre-game and during it, Jim Beam is the perfect fit for social moments shared with mates ahead of matches throughout the footy season and in particular, the Origin Arena. So great great question Harry. For me, I am jumping on a peri-peri chicken from crust delivered to the door. Extra peri-peri, thanks for coming and I will have a Jim Beam in hand for the game. Obviously, drinking responsible as always guys but that genuinely would be my drink and food of choice for state of origin and for me it really isn't State of Origin without that. I, I can literally show you Instagram photos from eight, nine years ago of me sitting down for Origin going, this is what I need, a Jim Beam and a crust pizza. Uh, doesn't get much better than that, and that would be the combination that I would 100% go for. I think it's one of the most underrated combos in Origin history. All right, our next question comes from Arthur M., He says, does it really matter that TPJ stated he was a Queensland fan a while ago? Uh, Yeah, look, an interesting one. Now... As you guys know, I've been very, very critical of Tavita Pango Jr. Not of Tavita Pango Jr., of his selection here. Uh, once again, I say it, and I'll say it again. If Freddie can get the best out of him, I will be the first to apologize and say, I had it all wrong. Freddie has nailed this selection. TPJ is made for this arena. I need to see it first. It has always been my problem with TPJ. It's the consistency and being able to rely on him. And this, with the role that he's going to have to play, We're going to need a lot out of him. And I know he can produce it. I know on his day he's one of the best footballers in this country. I have no doubt about that whatsoever, guys. You don't have to try and convince me of that. I've had people send me highlights and all. I know. I'm well aware. It's just about getting it right in that moment. I was a huge I fan. Most of you guys weren't. I was huge on him coming into last year. Very similar situations. I backed Freddie to get the very best out of him, and I'll, I'm completely biased. I've always been a huge sipher fan since he was a kid. He didn't quite deliver. He was pretty disappointing. Let's be honest here. TPJ, very similar situation. I hope Freddie can get the best of him, like Freddie has got the very best out of other front rowers, like d like Jacob Saifidi, these sort of guys. I, I am just very cautious about it. But I also think that Tevita Pango Jr., I had a look at those comments and, you know, is it ideal? No. Would I rather him not say it? 100%. I'd rather him not say it. But there is also part of me that sits here and goes, you know what? those comments were five, six years ago. TPJ was a 21 year old guy. Uh, I, ju- I I, I ver- like si- similar to my situation with Jackson Hastings. I respect that Jackson did some really dumb things and said some stupid things and, and didn't behave in the way that he probably should. And Jackson's the first to admit that, but similar to him, I think it's very, very harsh to judge males off their actions when they are 18 to 21. I think that is very, very tough because we're all boneheads. We all do stupid things that we regret. And I think TPJ, would really, really regret those comments that he made. And I, I think people change, and I think it has been pretty evident that TBJ has at least matured from that point. So I think it's really, really harsh for people to pin everything on those comments from back then. It was years ago. He has said he made a mistake. He, you know, I, I just think he probably got carried away in the moment. And the reality is, guys that like... <sighs> in order to make it to first grade, in order to make it to the state of origin arena as a front row forward, the way TPJ plays the game, you've got to have a few screws loose. You've got to, you're got you going to make mistakes along the way. I don't like the TPJ said it. Don't get me wrong. And it annoys the shit out of me that we have got guys representing New South Wales who have made those comments, but I don't hold it against TPJ because he was a young man. He, I know that he regrets it. I am so confident he genuinely regrets those words that he said, but I think it's very, very harsh to base people on their comments and their actions when they're 18 to 21, when realistically they didn't hurt anyone making those comments. They were dumb. We don't want to hear them. But I don't think you should judge guys off their actions and comments that they make when they are young men who are coming into first grade, who are having everyone telling how good they are, who are shoving microphones in their face. They're just, at that age, you're just not mature enough. We all did things at a young age that were stupid and that we regret. I wouldn't have picked TPJ, and you guys know that. But I do think that pinning this against him still is a little bit harsh, and I am happy to give TPJ the opportunity to prove that he wants to be a New South Welshman and he wants to be a genuine state of origin player. I am more than happy to do so. So that's my take on that. Maybe you guys disagree. I don't know, uh, and I'm here to hear. I'm interested to hear your response to that. But I just I think sometimes we we hold a lot of judgment over guys for actions that they did as young men that at the end of the day are pretty harmless, not ideal, but pretty harmless. uh, And we carry those for a long time. If I was a Queenslander fan, I'd be running with that narrative every day of the week though. And I get that 100%. I am all for Queenslanders doing that. It makes complete sense. But for me as a New South Wales fan, I'm more than happy to give Tevita Pangai Jr. the opportunity to go out and do what he can for New South Wales and show us how much that jersey means to him. Really good question from Arthur M. I know that'll be a little bit of a polarizing one, uh, but those are my thoughts on that. All right, next one. It comes from Tazalam700. Who's under the most pressure to win the series? So which team is under the most pressure to win the series? Really, really interesting question. Um, For me, I I think it still has to be New South Wales. At the end of the day, they are the favourites. I have no idea why we are such short favourites. It blows me away. How on earth we can be short favourites when this team time time and time again beats us with a seemingly lesser Side on paper, and it's in a series where we don't have a game in Sydney until game three when the series could be over. It blows me away. It is insane. We do have a decent record at neutral ground, so hopefully Adelaide can fall in our favour there. Uh, But I'm still far from convinced. We're also coming into this game realistically. James Tedesco, not in his greatest form ever. Um, Turbo, I mean, he's played one really good game. He's played one game where we thought, oh, Turbo's at his best, but it's one game out of 12 weeks. I'm stoked that that one game came the week before Origin, but I think there still has to be question marks over Turbo and his fitness. Uh, I think Josh Adokar, I think he's played one game back, maybe two from an injury. So he's, you know, he's probably not 110% realistically. Uh, I, you know, I think Jerome Lewis had a really good two weeks, but I wouldn't say it's been his greatest season of all time. Uh, We've got a hooker that's playing 80 minutes in the Origin Arena for the first time ever, who I think is a fantastic 60-minute hooker, and is a good 80-minute hooker, but this is really, really going to test him. Uh, and we've got a couple of key guys missing and whatnot. I just I don't quite understand why we are such short favourites. So I would say that New South Wales are under the most pressure, and I just think... It's how the Origin Arena plays out time and time again. The Queenslanders, they seem to be the underdogs every single time. Uh, even when the Queenslanders lose, even us, they're like, well, fuck, they pulled our pants down before. We can't really give them too much shit sort of thing. Uh, so personally, I think New South Wales is under the most pressure. There's been the argument that they've had the better team on paper for quite some time. Um, and Freddie hasn't been able to, to deliver consistently. I think he's still won three from five or whatever it might be. But uh, yeah, I think New South Wales is under the most pressure. There's the argument that Queensland are under pressure because they've moved away from their you know pick and stick that they've stuck with for so long to make bold selections. So maybe Queensland is under a little bit of pressure. But I also think that... Even if Queensland was to lose game one, we'd all sit there and go, okay, we're going to Suncorp next week. They'll be okay there. So I just, I don't think they're under as much pressure. Where New South Wales, I'm looking at this series going, we have to win Adelaide. We cannot afford to lose Adelaide because if we do, we then have to go to Suncorp and somehow find a way to win that, which I I just don't believe we can. I genuinely don't think we can. I think we have to win. Game one and game three. And even game three in Sydney, we lost in Sydney last year, which blew me away. So I, de- I definitely think New South Wales is under more, more pressure. I don't think there's any doubting that whatsoever as the favourites and with the team on paper we've got. Many would argue that Nathan Cleary is the best player in rugby league. We've got him. The, Dallier, the defending Dalian medalist is Nico Hines. We've got him. And many would argue that, you know, probably the two hardest guys in rugby league to handle on their day are Latrell Mitchell and Tommy Turbo, who are both fullbacks, who we're playing at centre. So I, I think in my mind... No doubt whatsoever. New South Wales is under the most pressure. Great question there from Taslom from Big Lezzer's League. Brayley over Cook, harsh or fair? I've had a few people message me about this, and I'll be honest with you, I don't really understand the logic here. Like he he's eighteenth, nineteenth man. Um, I don't, I, uh, I, I don't know. Would, would it make sense to carry Damian Cook as? The 19th man, does he need that experience? I think it's pretty obvious that they're picking Blake Braley to set him up for the future as a potential guy that could come in. Do I think there's a chance he comes off the bench in the 14 jersey? No, I don't. I don't think there's a hope that he comes into this side. Um, Damian Cook has been there and done it before. Damian Cook's also got a game this weekend for the South Sydney Rabbitohs. Damian Cook could come into this Origin camp and fit straight in. He has played with all these guys for years. He understands he understands the Origin arena. I just don't think Cookie needs the extra experience of standing behind Appy and just being there for the week, especially when his team, the South Sydney Rabbitohs, has a game this week. So I think I think people are probably over-reading or overlooking into the Blake Braley selection. I think that it is simply just having him part of the squad to potentially get him some experience to get him ready for the future. So I, I really don't think it's a big deal. I don't think it's harsh on Cook at all. Um, I, I personally think it makes complete sense. Um yeah, yeah, and I think that you know when we get an hour before the game next Wednesday night, I very highly doubt we're going to see the name Blake Braley pop up. I'll be shocked if we do, and if we do, I will backtrack on this 100%, but I don't see a world where that occurs. I think it is just experience, but we will know an hour before kickoff next Wednesday night, which is when, of course, uh, I'll be sitting back enjoying my pizza, but also a Jim Beam. Jim Beam is the ideal addition to Australia's favourite pasta. of watching the footy, but not only the footy, state of origin. I know it's by far and away my favorite pastime. My mates know that when they come over to my place or we go out for a game, I'm definitely going to have a gym beam in hand. Enjoying it responsibly, of course, but enjoying state of origin. All right, let's move to our next question. This one comes from Alex Clark, and we sort of already touched on this briefly. How would you use Heinz? If you're picking him, wouldn't wouldn't he be starting or pick a different 14? I tend to agree. I think it's fantastic we've got Hines in the side. I'm excited to see him in the origin arena. I think he could be a guy that could really own that arena and dominate it for a long time. But... Is it the best pick for Origin 1? I'm not convinced. Once again, I've got concerns about the hooker position. I don't know if Appy can play the entire 80. I don't know who comes in to fill that role. If we had Cam McInnes in the team, I'd actually be stoked with that because he could play hooker for the first 20, 25 minutes, and then he could be used as a middle forward later, and you could still carry Appy and Nico Hines. But... I just have a lot of question marks over how this is going to play out. And if everything goes to plan, if Happy plays 80, if we don't have any HIAs, where does Nico Hines come on? Does he just get shoved in the middle at some point to play thirteen? Do you take Isaiah Yo off the field? Um, Isaiah Yo has obviously been picked in this team because of his combination with the spine. Would uh, like? Do you take him off? Do, which forward do you take off? Do you? I, I just. I do, do. You just not give him a position. Do you just chuck him out there and see what happens? Which I get, but you got to also remember. You're going to have Nathan Cleary and Jerome Luai, who are the halves pairing for Penrith. You're going to have Tommy Turbo, who you would assume he's going to roam. James Tedesco's going to be playing fullback, which is sort of a roaming role. And then you chuck Nico Hines in, and where's he going to pop up? Where's he going to be? I just... I'm, ju- I'm very keen to see how Freddie gels it all together, and I look at the Roosters over the last two years. A great coach like Trent Robinson, he has had years to work on this now, and he can't get it right with his Roosters side. I just wonder over a 10-day period, how does Freddie gel it all together? He will have a plan, and you've obviously got much more ex- – well, I mean, you've kind of got more experienced players. The Roosters players that they can't make it work with are pretty incredible players, all internationals, so – I don't know. I'm just keen to see how it all gels, and I, I just wonder if we might be sitting here next Thursday morning saying, well, it was great to have all those guys in the team, but was there too many chefs in the kitchen? Were they all stepping on each other's toes and getting in each other's way, or is it a situation where Freddie just has a master plan and it all works perfectly and the Blues put on a show in Adelaide? We'll wait and see, but I I am very worried there's too many chefs in the kitchen, and I think that the Nico Hines selection at 14 – could just be the straw that, bro- that broke the camel's pack back, depending on how Freddie decides to utilize his team. So that's my thoughts on it. Um, yeah, I, I'm very. if we had a Harry Grant or a Ben Hunt, they would 100% be my 14. I have no doubt about that whatsoever. Uh, great question from Alex Clark. We'll see how that one plays out with Nico Hines and how he is utilized on the night. I'm sure the Blues coaching staff will have a plan. This one comes from link underscore Keith. Do you think Liam Martin could play through the middle at all, or will he strictly be on the edge? No, mate. Oh, I think he can definitely play through the middle. I, I love this guy. He is just an origin player through and through. I said on Bloke in a Bar this week that I think he's the closest thing we've got to a Queenslander, uh, and I mean that in the most respectful way to Liam Martin, but he is just a goer. I think he's made for this arena. I think you could play him in the front row, the edge, 13. I don't care where you want to play Liam Martin. He will rip and tear. So... I personally, if I was picking this side, at the moment I'm leaning towards starting him on the right edge uh, to mark up against Fafita and give him a nightmare. I love the line speed that Liam Martin brings. I love that if you give him a mission to make Fafita's night difficult, he'll probably miss five or six tackles on Fafita because he's getting up and he's making that first contact early. He'll be trying to rattle him. He'll be leading the kick chase every single time. I don't need a perfect stat sheet from Liam Martin. That's not the sort of player he is. And as I've said to a lot of my mates over the years, if you're looking at the stat sheet to understand who Liam Martin is as a footballer, you don't get him. You don't understand what he brings to a footy side. I just think the 1% is he is so good at it. Obviously, he is coming in off pretty limited time. He's played two games for the Panthers. He did play one of them through the middle, which I wouldn't be surprised if Freddie asked Ivan to do so. Uh, but I think he's going to be very, very important to this side wherever Freddie plays him could be on the edge, could be on the middle. Personally, I'd play him on the edge and I would keep Cam Murray in the middle. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for
0: professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today.
1: I just think that Cam Murray's leg speed is just unmatched. And if you're going to pick a hooker like I like Appy Coruscant, I think you want the best momentum guy in rugby league that's available in the origin arena to be running through the middle, getting those quick play the balls. And for me, That's Cam Murray. So you could play Liam Martin in either of these spots, but in order to get the best out of Cam Murray, I'm probably going to use Liam Martin as an edge guy. All right, our next question. And this is our last one as well. This one comes from Alan Mackey. If New South Wales lose game one, what changes do you think Freddie will make? Going up to Suncorp, it is a completely new game. And I think there's a very good chance that if Freddie loses game one, he hits the panic button and he turns back to guys that he trusts. Some changes that I could see happening. First of all, I could see Appy regardless of performance, potentially getting dropped for Damien Cook. That wouldn't shock me in the slightest. If Freddie just goes, okay, let's just go back to the guys that have been there and done it before. And guys, I can, Trust. Wouldn't surprise me if he goes back to Cookie. I wouldn't be surprised if a guy like Tevita Pangai Jr. drops out of this side. If Gerbo is available, I wouldn't be surprised if he comes straight in. He might turn to a Daniel Saifedi, a Jacob Saifedi, guys that he knows has done the job for him in the past. Even a guy like a Dale Fanoukan, a Wade Graham, these sort of guys. It wouldn't shock me in the slightest if Freddie goes. Shit, we lost game one. we go on to Suncorp. I need to bring the experienced heads in that understand origin to try and grit a win up there at Suncorp. Those are the sort of changes I can see. Maybe an Angus Crichton with a few more games under his belt coming in. I hope that he keeps Hudson Young. He's the one that I really hope, regardless of performance, I hope he just sticks with Hudson Young because I think that he is a guy that has got a huge, huge future in this arena. A guy like Tyson Vrizzell, I'm confident that he... Holds on to his spot as well. I think going to Suncorp, he'll be a guy that'll be very, very important to have. So if we do lose game one, being a New South Wales fan myself, those are the sort of changes I can see Freddie making. Sort of going, panic stations going, okay, let's turn to the old fold. Who has done the job for me before? Who are the guys that understand the Origin Arena and are going to be able to handle the pressure of going to Suncorp and getting a job done? Uh, So those are the sort of changes that I can see Freddie potentially making. Uh, Guys, those are the questions that we have gone through. Thank you to everyone that sent them in. Apology if I didn't get to yours, uh, but I, I really enjoyed that. A real in-depth chat there that hopefully you guys enjoy. We'll have plenty more content coming next week as we build up to State of Origin. It's going to be super exciting. And of course, guys, this podcast was brought to you by Jim Beam. Jim Beam is the perfect drink of choice for the pregame in the lead up to Origin next Wednesday night. Grab yourself some Jim Beam, sit back with mates and enjoy the show. It is going to be unbelievable. As always, though, guys, drink responsibly. Enjoy the footy. Don't go over the top. But, yeah, if you're having mates over, enjoy your time with them with a couple of Jim Beams.